Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021. Hello everyone. It's Shannon and I am here with an author interview and it is a great day. My favorite day of the week. It is Bookity Tuesday. Lots and lots of books are out today. This is another one of those weeks where I was looking at this list and I was just sort of overwhelmed by all of the things that are releasing and it was very very difficult for me to narrow it down so that I could you know talk to you about a selection of them um, so there's a ton of great stuff here definitely stay tuned for that but first you are going to hear an interview that I did with author Bridget Morrissey we chatted about her novel Love Scenes which released in the US on June 15th and we talked a lot about our mutual love of romance and just all the things that go into writing a romance novel, both you know just in normal times and in COVID times, as well as some other great bookish fun. So I hope you love it. And I hope you find some fantastic things in the list of new releases that I'm about to share with you. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am talking with author Bridget Morrissey, whose novel Love Scenes is releasing in the U.S. on June 22nd. Bridget, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can we start with a brief introduction to Love Scenes so that listeners know a little bit about what they can expect? Sure. So Love Steens is the story of a down-on-her-luck actress who's from a famous family that gets roped into working as a producer on that family's next big project, which is a sweeping romantic war drama that just so happens to be starring her least favorite former co-star of all time. <laughs> so lots of like Hollywood drama, I'm guessing. Yes. And lots of sparks, perhaps. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something so like, magical about Hollywood books. Like historical Hollywood books are some of my favorite. And even like the, the contemporary ones, I don't know quite like what it is that makes them full of that that kind of magic, but there's just something really special about Hollywood. I I really like. 
when yeah. authors choose to set their books there. I agree. I think it's a really dynamic setting and I think it just already comes with so much intrigue and expectation that the story is just already kind of elevated from the jump with that setting. I think the other thing, and this is kind of a, a newer thing in recent years that kind of gives it a similar type of magic, although slightly different, is the whole like reality TV. Um, I've read so many good books this year and in some of last year as well, where people are like competing on these reality TV shows. Right, right. Yeah, that's super. Yeah, because we know too how much drama on those then is manufactured. So there's kind of a fun behind the scenes element of what's real and what's not that makes those yes. great too. Yes. And I feel like, I don't think there were too many like before last year, but it seems like there, there are just a ton of them and I'm very, very happy about this. Yeah. <laughs> so Love Scenes is your first book. Is that right? It's my first adult book. I have two YA novels that came out in 2018 and 2019, but this is my first adult romance. Awesome. What sort of prompted the switch for you from YA to adult? You know, I wouldn't say it was so much a conscious switch just as I had the idea for this story and there just wasn't a way to make it a YA. Just where I wanted to meet these people in their lives felt like it had to be adult. You know, there's something to the magic of YA is about the discovery and it's about firsts. Yes. Then with adults, I've been calling it, it's kind of like at least where I like to set my stories is sort of a second puberty. It's like all those things you learned in your teenage years. Now you're having to confront again and decide whether or not you agree with that and whether or not that's where you want to be. So with this story, we meet Sloan, the main character kind of she's her career isn't going the way she hoped. She's just gotten out of a bad breakup and she's looking at her life wondering, is this what I really want? And so it felt like she had to be, at that point for the story to be most interesting. Right. Like it would be a lot harder, I'm guessing, to have her be a teenager. Like there, yes. there wouldn't be that same need to like make those decisions about what she wants her life to be. Exactly. Like it's all just feels like hopes and dreams when you're a teen, but then when you're an adult, it's like, okay, the reality is here. Things aren't going as planned. What do I do now? Yes. So as you sat down to write this, like, were there things that felt really different for you in writing a book for adults versus for teens? You know, I can't say it very much felt different so much as it was just exciting. I guess I, I feel like when I'm in whatever headspace I'm in, like I'm excited to be there. And then with this adult story, it it came really it came to me not easily per se, because all books are hard to write in their own respect, but it came really naturally. So I think it just, to me, that was a sign that it was time to be making this pivot and that I was on the right track, shifting to adults. I feel like there's something very special about YA novels. Like even as an adult, I find myself drawn to so much of the fiction that exists for teens. Like when I was a teenager, I feel like we didn't have like the same amount of, of choices. Like you either read kid books 
or adult books or sort of a few things in between that were like, you know, the Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley High right. types of things. Like, I don't feel like there was the, like, the, the broad array Yes, um, it's choices. so awesome. It you is. can get anything. Like you, you anything can. you want, you need, you're looking for. And that's what's kind of amazing about it now. And but I feel like, you know, I kind of wish like I could be a teenager again and sort of dive into this like array of books that was not available to me. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't read a lot of books about teens when I was a teen. There just yeah. weren't any. Yeah, I know, right? I always, my favorite thing, and I've never written about it, but I love it as time travel. And I always time travel is amazing. I always think with my own life, like I would love to time travel back into my own memories. And that's kind of in that vein of like, if I could go back and give myself these books or this thing, you know, what would that be like? Yeah, because I feel like as a teenager, like I kind of dove into adult romances yeah. Um, and not to say that I wouldn't have anyway, like had decided to do that as a teen, like growing up today, but I feel like I didn't have the same amount of like appropriate, you know, age appropriate choices. Right. And so I don't know, you know, like maybe I wouldn't have been reading Jude Devereaux when I was 12 <laughs> if I had, if I had other things, <laughs> you know, that were interesting to me, um, but, you know, perhaps written for someone like my age. Right. So I love that YA is is so big and broad and it just becomes like more and more diverse. And I just, I think it's, it's just fantastic. I agree. So are you a reader as well as a writer? Yes, definitely. I think I am a writer because I am a reader and I read and then I get inspired and I think, wow, this is something I want to do or like, how can I follow my own version of this or whatever that may be. So what types of things do you find yourself drawn to reading? I am a huge YA reader, um, but I also am a, it's like YA and romance. What I write is what I read. And I do try to branch out and I do it every so often but it's like those are my comfort genres that's where I'm going to go back and I know that I'm going to get something that satisfies me that I enjoy that brings me joy and especially through this past year my reading has been solely focused on what is going to bring me joy right now what am I going to find relief in and that has been romance of course yes Yes, yes. Romance. Oh, I feel like there's just so much about it that is is good and thought provoking and it definitely does bring joy. And I wish that it was something that more people like realized and appreciated about the genre rather than just sort of like shrugging it off dismissively. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for what romance does for people. I agree. And I also think that there's something really beautiful about the comfort of knowing, you know, 98% of the time you're getting a happily ever after. Like if it's a romance done as we expect romances to be done, you know that that's coming. So the beauty is it's, you're not wondering how it's going to end in that respect. You're kind of wondering why it's going to happen. And I think that that question 
is something that people don't understand can be so fulfilling of like, well, why do these two people make sense? Why is this the story I'm following? And that's why we pick up the romance books. You know, it doesn't matter. We know that it's going to be happy. It's just what version of happy are we going to get that makes it so exciting? Right. What obstacles like do they have and what sort of draws them together? Um, things that, yes, like, you know, ultimately, or at least you hope that you're going to get that happily ever after, but you never really know how that's going to come about. And that's what I tell people when they talk about like, oh, you know, romance is so formulaic. And I'm like, yes, but like, I think all books are formulaic, like in a sense, right? Yes. Because if you're talking about like a thriller, like the crime is almost always solved at the end. Right. Um, if you're talking about like fantasy, you know, there's some kind of battle and generally like the people on sort of the side of good win. Right. And so like all of that is, is a formula in one way or another. Um, it's just, we have, you know, our formula in romance is about finding that happily ever after in whatever way, you know, make sense for the characters. And I wish that people could understand and sort of appreciate that a little more than I sometimes think they do. I couldn't agree more. And I think that if they just open their hearts, <laughs> there's so much good stuff waiting yes. for them in romance in all directions, whatever you want, it's there. Oh. And that's So do you have a type of romance? that you like? Like, are you a contemporary person or a paranormal or historical? Yeah, I definitely love contemporary romance. Uh, I am big on that. I just read, it comes out in January of 2022. I read The Roughest Draft by Emily Wiberly and Austin Sigmund Broca. They're a married couple in real life. And this book is about uh, co-writers who had a huge hit with each other five years ago it's a man and a woman and then they had a falling out and they have to come back to write the second book in their contract and we have to figure out like what happened between Ooh. them that they had the falling out and it's I cannot wait for people to read this one like when I tell you this book is something that you just you wake up thinking about like these characters it's so immersive and it's so tender it was it's just going to be really special so that's January 2022 but that is like the book that I read recently oh. that I'm just like I'm dying to talk to people about like it's the kind of book you want to have conversations about and I've heard of, of Emily, um, Emily Wiberly in the past but I've never actually read anything that she's done yeah so that's I'm definitely they write, going to have to keep an eye out for they this. write YA romance so they've done several ah, romances and okay. this is their first adult as well excellent this makes me very very happy I will have to keep an eye out yes so for me I tend to read um a lot of historical a lot of paranormal and contemporaries are really interesting to me because there was a kind of a stage in my life and I think also in contemporary romance where I felt like they were all just sort of like new adult romances about mm. like people going to college and like getting super drunk right and I was just like eh. like no I I don't I don't care and so I kind of backed away from some of the contemporaries and read you know just other other subgenres but I feel like 
in recent years, the contemporaries have kind of started to like come back around to the things that I I enjoy. So I'm not, I mean, there are still college romances and, you know, people still get drunk in books, but I don't <laughs> feel like that's like sort of the, the recurring theme where I'm just always like looking at these books going, oh my gosh, like, and well, then there's know. this drunken party and that drunken party. <laughs> With new adult, I think it's just been so hard for new adult to claim the space that it needs for those stories and it gets miscategorized a lot and I think that that's part of it too because that is such a specific type of story and if you're going into just what you think is a regular contemporary romance getting a new adult book is not (laughs) it's totally like different journey um So yeah, I would agree though, there's a lot in contemporary romance and I love forced proximity. I love enemies to lovers and second chance romance. And I feel like in contemporary, we've been getting such like beautiful takes on all of that, that it's really fulfilling as a contemporary fan. And like fake relationships are- Fake dating. Best things for me right now. Yes. Yes. What fake yes, dating books have I you read? Have you, have you read any of the contemporary ones or do you read the historical or paranormal? I read um, a lot of historicals, but I also have lately, as I said, kind of come back into contemporary. Um, I'm really excited about The Dating Plan by yes. Sarah Desai, which is the follow-up to The Marriage Game, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that Sonali Dev has just written like some great things, not so much with the like fake dating, but just um, just contemporaries that are, are so lush and lovely. I also liked um, Rachel Lynn Solomon's The X Talk, right, which yes. is like this mashup of like second chance romance and fake dating. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, enemies I feel like there's lovers a little so bit many. Too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because they have that kind of rivalry that um, Feeds kind of show. comes into play right. as they're trying to figure out. Yes. And they're trying to like figure out their own relationship sort of in real life. And, you know, what like broke them up. And it was just, oh, it was so, so excellent. Yes. And that what she did there with the public radio, you know, that's again, that sort of like when you have a public facing relationship versus what's going on behind the scenes, very similar to what's in my book. It's just such a rich playing ground of like, what are you showing the audience versus like, what are you showing each other? You know, that's such a fun dynamic to play with. Yes, yes. I think that there's so much depth that you can really like tease out, you know, it doesn't smack you in the face with like, you know, the heaviness of it. But as you read, you can sort of, peel back the layers and like understand not only the the stuff going on like with the show or the movie or whatever the characters are involved in but also sort of that inner conflict that so many characters have exactly so can we talk a little bit about sort of your writing journey like you started in YA but like what prompted you to write your first book um my first book I ever wrote was just an idea I had that I was like I think this is a book and I would write a chapter or two and I would send it to my sister Rose 
Um, I'm the youngest of five, but my sister that's one above me is like my best friend. And so we communicate constantly. So I just sent it to her and I also knew she would tell me the truth. And I was like, is this good? She was like, I love this. Please keep writing. So I kind of was fueled on by her and I ended up finishing that book. And I was like, wow, I just wrote a book and it just felt super, I don't know, like it just kind of happened. Um, And then that book didn't do anything. I didn't get an agent with it. I didn't sell. uh, So it was really like a practice book for me. And then after that experience, I was like, I really like this process. This is something that I really want to pursue. And so I sat down and very intentionally wrote my next book with like, instead of writing like, oh, I'm accidentally writing a book. I was very purposeful with my time. And that ended up being my debut YA novel. It's called What You Left Me. Um, And that was the book that I got my agent with and then it sold. So kind of from there just snowballed, but really it just started very purely as me. Like, I think I'm writing a book right now. (laughs) And I was. I love that. I love that. I love when people sort of just have it like in their minds that this is something that they can do and then they do it. You know, I feel like for me, I think a lot about like, oh, you know, I wonder what it would be like to write a book. I think, you know, maybe I should try it one day. And then I, I get sort of overwhelmed by just the magnitude of that and like how many other people are writing books. And so when someone can tell a story, you know, that they just really felt like this was something that they could do. um, I just, I love that for people. And I love that for so many people writing a book is, is so, so doable and bring people so much joy through sharing, you know, the stories that are just like hanging out in your head. And I also think like, especially when I wrote that first book, if I had any sense of the magnitude of like that you just mentioned of like all these people that are doing it and that, you know, and there's so much going on, it would have completely pulled me under. Like I had to kind of write in a blissful ignorance to believe that I could do it. And then once I finished one, I was like, well, I know I can finish books. And then when I started really learning about like publishing and how it works, I was like, wow, (laughs) this is a daunting business. And as I've gone farther, I would say that I actually have, it's, it's scarier to write now because I know I'm writing for an audience versus when I was just writing because I enjoyed it and because that was something that I wanted to do that day. And now it's like, this is something I have to do today. And continuing to find that joy and being very intentional with that is something that I try to do as I work because otherwise it'll, it'll really consume you. So what is your process? Like when you have an idea for something that you want to write, like how does that, how does that shape up for you? With love scenes, I had a dream about the two main characters, which this happens to me every so often. I'll kind of dream a little story vignette and then I'll either, you know, scribble it in my notes app or just kind of wake up pondering it. But this one felt really urgent. And I just sat and wrote this like 12 page Google doc that was just all about these characters and kind of coming up with their lives. And I knew obviously they were filming a movie in my dream. And I was like, I know they're actors and I fleshed out their families and then came up with who they are in relation to each other and like their careers. And it was very fever dream like, Um, but that's 
pretty unusual for me. Usually I will have ideas that just come in fragments that are just floating around and I will have them in my back pocket and then I'll get sort of an idea that's like glue and I'll go, oh, this can go with that thing that I've been thinking about for months or years. And then it sort of fits together and I'll start putting together an outline or just jotting down ideas. But for me, something I found that's unique in my process versus other writers I know is that I really have to have a strong sense of the timeline of whatever I'm writing. So for instance, with love scenes, it's a, it takes place over the course of the shooting of a movie. So I made it a five week schedule and I had to know every day what they were filming and where they were going to be. And that's just, for some reason, that's just what makes the story click for me. But there are some authors that are like, oh, I accidentally, it's Tuesday twice. I didn't realize. And like, that would never be me because I have it so meticulously planned out. But there are places where, you know, other authors' strengths are my weaknesses. But I would say that's my biggest like Bridget specific tool is that I will always create some sort of like very fleshed out agenda that's separate from the book, but informs it. Do you ever find that as you're writing, like something sort of unfolds in a way that you didn't expect and then you have to go back and sort of redo parts of like that original outline or premise? Always. Yeah. I think in love scenes, there's It it happens often just because when you're writing the characters, you know, I like to leave a little room for discovery. Like I don't outline super strictly. So if I learn something about them as I'm drafting, then it shifts things around. Um, And then with love scenes, they, they go to a charity gala at one point. And I think that the timing of that wasn't quite working in how I originally had set everything out. So I did have to move some, pieces around, but it never ends up being super um, detrimental. It's just a fun kind of, if anything, it's fun for me to get to revisit that safety document of like, this is just the time and there's no story or emotion put into it. This is just the schedule. Like, I don't mind that part. It's a nice little brain break for me. So do you find that like when you're crafting the scenes, like do you craft them in the order that you expect them to appear in the book? Or do you just sort of go with whatever like comes to mind as like what you're going to work on on a given day? I wish that I could write out of order because I think that that's so cool when people do that. And they're like, yeah, I started at the end or like I started at the big moment because I knew that was what the book needed to be built around. But because I leave that room for discovery and I find things out along the the way, I can never allow myself to write something that's too far in the future because I'm always wondering, well, what if I learn something about these people that really informs this? And it's inhibiting. I probably could do it and it would be just fine, but that is where my head's at, at least of, I do write very linearly and in order occasionally just to try to keep moving, I will maybe really quickly sketch out chapters to get to one that's more interesting to me, but I don't think I ever really skip around. I hear people talking, you know, a lot about like, oh, and then, you know, I realized like this chapter just wasn't working for me. So I went on and I wrote chapter six instead. And I'm like, ooh, (laughs) I can't do that. That just feels... Yeah, that just feels like it would be really confusing to my brain if I was trying to 
like know that you know in the main thing that I was writing this other thing that I was writing like hadn't hadn't happened yet yeah my my friend Amina May Safi she calls it Groundhog's Day um I think she got that term from somewhere else she's a writer as well um and sh- it's basically the idea of like I think when it's you're a movie well it's a movie but the premise in writing is that you always go back before you ah. start again you always loop back to what you've already done so like you're never starting a writing day just like okay I'm on chapter six now you're like okay I'm gonna go back to chapter three and then I'll build up to chapter six so you're constantly repeating what you've already done and for me I cannot move past when I come up against something I don't like which is something especially when I'm on a deadline that isn't super beneficial and I definitely struggled with that specifically drafting in the pandemic um so I've kind of had to learn little tricks of just like like I said that fast drafting just like putting words on the page closing my eyes Mm -hmm. basically and just being like I wrote it you know and then revisiting that for that next groundhog's day wake up of like oh here I go having to face what I did yesterday kind of thing Right. And knowing that you can always like change and, and edit, you know, once you, you get past that particular point. Exactly. And that's the thing, but there is some sort of pressure that you can create. At least I do in my mind of like, Oh, I don't know if I'll be able to fix it. And then it, it ends up being okay. But you know, we play games with ourselves in our minds. So, so frequently. It's true. It's true. So what is next for you now that Love Scenes is almost out in the world? It's almost out in the world. You know, it's hard to imagine life beyond this book Um, just because it's, especially through the pandemic, it was sort of like my one thing that I was like, oh, I have this. This brings me joy. This is something I'm excited about. But I do have another book coming in 2022 um, that's, is an adult romance. Uh, and I there's an excerpt of awesome. it in the back of Love Scenes. So in the paperback, the first chapter of this book, it's called A Thousand Miles, um, is in the back of Love Scenes. So I'm really excited for people to see that because like, talk about, wow, nobody knows about this. Like that's going to be yes, super exciting. So the copy that I got in preparation for the interview is the I don't audio think it copy. would ha- Oh, you got the audio. Yeah, they did not record the... Yeah, audio. the excerpt. Okay. No, they didn't. That is good to know because sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Like, I'm not sure what it depends on. You know, she, um, they actually asked like they, me. They handle that differently. Yeah, they asked me and they said that it's not standard. And I said, okay, I mean, I don't know. You're the audiobook people, so I trust your your judgment there. But yeah, I guess it's then just in the paperback copy. A, okay. a little a treat for the print well, readers, I guess. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, I get a lot of audio um, from Penguin as as like my advanced copies. I love it. Yeah, that's a really cool way to to get advanced copies. Yes, you can't get them like for everything and you can't get them far in advance. No, because they record them. Like like you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, like you were talking about the book that's coming out in 2022, um, you know, in January, the um, Emily Wiberly book. And like, yeah, you, you you couldn't get an audio of that. Um, but I'm always really happy when, when there are audio advanced copies available. 
I, yeah, I think that's so, so cool. can you let listeners know the best way to find you online? Sure. Um, probably on Instagram and my handle is at Bridget J Morrissey, um, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-J-M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y. And I'm on Twitter, but I'm, I'm not really on there anymore. I deleted it off my phone. So I check it very sporadically. So Instagram is definitely, ah, yes. definitely the spot to find me, but I, you can find me on Twitter. It's just, it'll take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> before before I see it yeah. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly yes. I won't know I've been found for a while but yes well I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your pre-release schedule to chat with me and let listeners know a little bit about your book and just about who you are as a writer and a person yes thank you so much for having me on this was so fun all right So let's talk about new books. So the first several books are going to be books you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated releases of August episode. I'm starting out with a couple that Melissa mentioned. We have Dark Roads, which is a thriller by Chevy Stevens. And we have the new Karen Rose, Say Goodbye. This is the third and final book in her Sacramento series, um, which started with Say You're Sorry. Then Natalia is super excited about the new romantic suspense from Sandra Brown. This is called Blind Tiger. Not only is it romantic suspense, but it is set in Prohibition era Texas. I am looking forward to The Husbands, a contemporary thriller by Chandler Baker, and Sisters in Arms, which is historical fiction by Kaya Alderson. Okay, so those are books that you've heard us talk about before. So let's now move into books that we haven't referenced. I'm going to start with some romance. First up here is... The Dating Dare by J.C. Lee. Some people are calling this a sweet mess book too. I've seen it listed as both a standalone and as part of a series, so I'm not sure which is accurate. Um, But this is one dare, four dates, and only their hearts to lose is sort of the tagline for this book. Um, She wrote A Sweet Mess last year. I've heard nothing but good things about that. So I'm really excited for The Dating Dare by J.C. Lee. Then we have I Kissed a Girl. This is by Jeanette Alexander. It is a female-female romance about a B-list horror actress who falls in love with her makeup artist. Um, I've talked before about how much I love seeing female-female love stories in the mainstream media, and this is another one that I'm super excited for. It's I Kissed a Girl, and it's by Jeanette Alexander. Next up is a retelling that I am so, so excited about. This is called If the Shoe Fits. 
It's by Julie Murphy, and you will recognize her name if you're familiar with YA literature. She wrote Dumplin' and Puddin' and a few other things. But this is her first novel for adults, and it is a reimagining of Cinderella, uh, centered around a dating show, so think like The Bachelor, and we have a plus-sized heroine. So this is If the Shoe Fits, and it's by Julie Murphy. Okay, I'm going to talk about just some like general fiction, um, starting out with The Reading List. This is by Sarah Nisha Adams, and this one is about two people who become friends because of a list of library books that they both have read and enjoyed. Um, it takes place in a London suburb. I love books about books, so this is definitely on my list. It is The Reading List by Sarah Nisha Adams. Then we have Tin Camp Road. This is by Ellen Airgood, and it intrigues me because I grew up in in Michigan in the Lower Peninsula and have lived here for a good chunk of my life. I was away for nine years, but the rest of my my time has been spent here. So I love books in Michigan, but even more than that, I love books that highlight the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is a place that does not get a lot of media notice. So this is Tin Camp Road. It is about a mother and daughter who move into a small town in the Upper Peninsula. And it talks a lot about rural poverty and social justice. So this is by Ellen Airgood. And again, it is Tin Camp Road. This next book is one that I just heard about last week for the first time. It's The People We Keep. It's by Alison Larkin, who I have known mainly as an audiobook narrator, but apparently she's also an author. So this is basically a story about a woman who leaves her kind of humdrum, not great life, and she decides that she's going to set out on her own to find a life that she can really, really believe in, really be invested in. And along the way, she apparently meets um, an eccentric cast of characters. So this looks like it's going to have some found family elements, which I am always super excited for. So this is The People We Keep by Alison Larkin. Next up is we Were the Brennans by Tracy Lang. This is kind of a family saga about an Irish-American family. Uh, the synopsis made me think of um, Saints for All Occasions by J. Courtney Sullivan, but the publisher compares it to Ask Again, Yes by Mary Beth Keene. This is a book that has gotten a ton of positive buzz. In fact, I put myself on hold for it at our local library the other day, and the book isn't even out yet, and I am already number 25 on the list. I think I won't be seeing this book for a while, but it looks so, so good, and I'm really excited for it. This is We Were the Brennans, and it's by Tracy Lang. Let's talk briefly about some historical fiction. I usually have a little bit more. Um, I just have a couple today. This is Her Heart for a Compass. 
This is by Sarah Ferguson, who was formerly the Duchess of York. It is the coming-of-age story of a Victorian noblewoman. Um, we get to see sort of how the nobility lives, but also we get a peek into sort of the lower echelons of society as well. So this is Her Heart for a Compass, and it's by Sarah Ferguson. And the other historical novel I have for you today is Emily's House by Amy Belding Brown. This is historical fiction as well, as I said, and it is told from the perspective of Margaret, who is the maid of Emily Dickinson. And so we get to see sort of this like period in Dickinson's life um, that Margaret played a part in. And you kind of get an, a bit of insight into Dickinson in kind of a new way. So this is Emily's House by Amy Belding Brown. And let's do some mysteries, right? Because why not? This is starting out with A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee. This is a young adult thriller and it is defined by the publisher as kind of if we were villains meets the craft. It is an LBGTQ dark academia thriller and I am here for it. It is A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee. Then we have Where the Truth Lies. This is by Anna Bailey. It is a thriller that's gotten a ton of buzz. I tried to get an advanced copy of this and I, there were none available that I could find, but it's one that I am really looking forward to. Again, it's Where the Truth Lies by Anna Bailey. We also have a new Megan Abbott this week. It is The Turnout. It is set at a ballet studio, um, a small kind of family-owned studio. And when there is a fire and a contractor comes in to repair the studio, all sorts of chaos ensues. This is The Turnout, and it's by Megan Abbott. This next book um, really caught my attention because of the title. It's called In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife. It's by Ashley Winstead. It is about six friends, or maybe they were friends in the past. Maybe they aren't now. I'm not sure. They meet up again after a while at a college reunion, and we get to see glimpses of this sort of unsolved murder that still haunts them. And this one is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife. And it is by Ashley Winstead. Sandy Jones also has a book out this week that deals with friendship. This is The Guilt Trip. This one came out in the UK, I think, a couple of months ago. So European readers have had a little more time to, to get to read it. But this is about a group of people who went away as friends. Something very bad happened. And now they came back. To their like real lives as murder suspects. Not the best way to go on a vacation, I wouldn't say. This is The Guilt Trip by Sandy Jones. And last up, as far as thrillers go, is We Were Never Here. This is by Andrea Bartz. It is a backpacking trip that has gone terribly wrong. Um, like People are, are dead. Um, it is disastrous in all kinds of ways, and if you want to know more about it, it is We Were Never Here, and it is by Andrea Bartz. 
Okay, so I am going to end today with a couple of young adult books. First up is a young adult science fiction. This is Suns Will Rise, System Divine, book three by Jessica Brody and Joanne Rendell. I loved the first book in this series. This is a L.A. Miz retelling set in space. And the first book was amazing. I've been holding on to the second one because I thought that it was the last one and I didn't want to say goodbye to these characters and the world that these authors have created. And now I realize that there is a third book. I do not have to say goodbye and I am elated. So this is Suns Will Rise, System Divine, book three by Jessica Brody and Joanne Rendell. And lastly, I want to talk about Like Other Girls by Britta London. This is a contemporary novel about a teenage girl who decides that she wants to play football and not on a separate football team for girls, but actually with the boys. So we watch her join the team and we also watch sort of the upheaval this causes in her town. This is Like Other Girls, and it's by Britta London. And that, my friends, is all I have for you today. This was a truly stellar release week. I hope you are reading all sorts of fantastic things. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.